0: Welcome and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor. If you're here for the first time, watching online for the first time, we're so glad you joined us. We know. Uh, We have a lot of choices on any given moment, especially on Sunday morning, so thank you for investing the time to be here with us. Uh, We're finishing up a series, if you're here for the first time, about parables, and I'm going to introduce today's parable by asking uh, a simple question. What would you consider to be the most valuable thing in the world? Well, when you want to know the answer to the question, what do you do? You Google it, right? So I Googled it, that question, and the first thing that came up was, an iPhone 3GS Supreme Rose by Stuart Hughes. And I thought, an iPhone? $2.9 million for an iPhone. I don't think I'll be getting that one anytime soon. Uh, the Graf Pink Diamond, $46 million. The Villa Leopolda, which is a little bungalow on the French Riviera, $506 million. My personal favorite uh, on the list was the History Supreme Yacht. It's made of solid platinum and gold and costs $4.5 billion. But the most expensive thing, most valuable thing on the planet, I didn't even know this was a real thing. I thought it was only in comic books, antimatter. Antimatter for one one gram, which is four hundredths of an ounce, is $62.5 trillion. Somebody asked me last night, where do you get antimatter? And I said, I'm not in the market, so I don't really know. But in any case, the reason I raise these questions is because we're going to ask Jesus, actually, is going to show us what is the most valuable thing in the world in the two parables that we're going to... very brief parables that we're going to look at today. And uh, it's not a thing. So uh, let's turn to uh, the take-home point. And again, if you're new, the take-home point is the one point that I'll be making in the message. And it's from Scripture. And that point is going to point us to um, how we can live differently in the week ahead. And here it is. The kingdom of heaven is more valuable... Than any other treasure we can acquire. We live in a very materialistic culture. At the end of the day in America, pretty much everything comes down to dollars and cents, and we hope it's more more like millions of dollars and not cents, right? Um, And the thing we need to understand is Jesus did not deny the material world or the material blessings of life. In fact, the night Jesus was going to be uh betrayed and turned over to the religious leaders he had his last meal with the disciples and at that meal he said to them in my father's house are many rooms in other words God has a house. It's probably the nicest house we're ever going to see. It has a lot of rooms. And he said, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you so that you can come and be where I am. So in other words, Jesus is not against material stuff. He's not against material blessings. And when we talk about heaven, when we talk about the, the way to get into heaven, we often talk about the pearly gates, right? Now, a pearly gate, why in the world do we talk about pearly gates? The answer is because in the Bible, in Revelation 21, 21, we read this. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. The reason for 12 gates is the city of Jerusalem is surrounded by walls. And and, uh, in the New Jerusalem, it's a perfect rectangle, I mean square, I'm sorry, perfect square, three gates on each wall. So 12 gates, and it says each of them made of single pearl, And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Why pearls? Why not diamonds? Why not rubies? The the answer is simple. In the ancient world, the pearl was considered to be the most valuable gem in the world because they were so rare, so difficult to find. And that's going to play a role in the second parable that Jesus tells us this morning. So the point is this. Material blessings are not condemned by Jesus. Not at all. But they are simply not the most important treasure that we can gain. As the take-home point reminds us, that would be the kingdom of heaven. So let's turn to Matthew's gospel. You have your Bible. You want to follow along. It will be Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 44. But before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and love. We thank you for all the blessings of life. You are indeed the one who gives every good and perfect gift. God, we pray today as we consider What is most valuable? What's most important in our lives? We pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would open our minds, our souls, our spirits, our lives to understand that you and your kingdom are the most important realities ever. And Jesus opens that door to us. Fill us with your spirit that we can not only understand what we're about to hear, but also that we can live it out in our days ahead. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus said... The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Let's think about that for a minute. The guy found a treasure buried in a field. What's up with that? Well, I did a little digging <laughs> get it digging uh, I did a little digging and I found out that in the first century world that it was very common for Israelites to bury their valuables in the ground and here's why Israel was a very important staging ground for wars. It, Egypt was to the south and then to the north there were all kinds of important countries and when they battled against each other it was often in the land of Israel so uh, we, we, we learned about that if you were here last summer when we went through the book of Daniel. We were always talking about the king of the north and the king of the south, and they came together and they battled in Israel. So the Israelites, in order to keep their stuff, when they heard that the king of the north or the south were coming together, they would dig a hole in the ground and bury all their valuable stuff. So there were treasures all over Israel in that day. And you might be thinking, well, why not a bank? It's a good question. But, um, in fact, when Jesus told the parable of the the talents, the third uh, servant took his master's stuff and buried it in the ground, which was a common thing to do. But Jesus said, why didn't you at least put it in the bank so it would gain interest? But the reality is, most people in Israel didn't trust the banks. And the banks weren't like they are today. But if we just go back to the 1930s in American history, we know about the Great Depression. My dad grew up in the Great Depression, and he would tell me how people would take their money. They didn't trust the banks. They would put their money under their mattresses. They would cut holes in their walls, and they would, you know, put it inside the walls. He never told me about digging a hole in the ground and put it in the ground, but we cannot understand the point. So anyway, this guy finds a treasure that was buried in the ground. And as we think about these, this parable, it's only two sentences long, but there are dozens of points that we can gain from it, dozens of valuable points of instruction, but we're going to just look at three this morning. The first one is, when you work hard... Sometimes it leads to unexpected blessings. Secondly, some who find the kingdom of heaven weren't even looking for it. And third, when we realize the value of the kingdom of heaven, we will give up everything to get it. So let's look at the, the three points. First of all, the man was simply working hard. We don't know if he was a day laborer, if he was working for, you know, a relative. But he was working on a piece of land he didn't own. And he was working hard. He was digging. And all of a sudden, as he's digging, he hears clink. And he probably went, oh, I think I found a treasure. I mean, because what else would be underneath the ground there? It's, well, it would be a rock in Israel. But besides rocks, there wasn't usually much that you would find when you were digging. So anyway, he finds this treasure. He digs it all up. And he realized, oh, my goodness. <laughs> in our day, it would be like, I just hit the you know, Mega Millions lottery. He had found this treasure that was going to set him up for life. And I picture him running home. And, and he says to his wife, and it doesn't say he had a wife, but I'm picturing he has a wife. And he says to his wife, honey, we are set. We don't have to worry about a thing the rest of our life. All we have to do is sell our house and everything else, go buy this other property, and then we're going to be rich. And, her, and I can just picture that discussion going on. <laughs> yeah, right. One of your rich quick, Another rich quick scheme, you know. But anyway, after they have the argument, and they, they sell everything, and they get the stuff. So he worked hard, and he gets an unexpected blessing. He's set up for life. The second thing that happened was he wasn't looking for a treasure when he found it. And some of us weren't looking for the kingdom of heaven or Jesus when we found him. Some of you were just at work or you were at school or you were, you know, just bringing up your children. And somebody said, hey, why don't you come to small group with me? Why don't you come to worship with me? Or maybe somebody just said, why don't you come to Trunk or Treat or Fan Blitz? And when you were there, you discovered the kingdom of heaven. And uh, when I was, uh, I always say I've been going to church since before I was born because my mom went to church before I was born. So for nine months before I was born, I went to church, and then I started going to church. But I never understood or discovered this treasure till I was 10 years old, and I didn't discover it in church. I was with Tom and Bruce Terrell, my neighbors, and we were walking down the McMillan Hill outside of Gypsy on one hot summer day. And all of a sudden, a thunderstorm came up. And it, was, it came up so quickly, and there was this bolt of lightning. We saw it, and we heard the thunder at the same time. You know what that means? <laughs> it's really close. A couple hundred yards from us, it hit a tree, split the tree right in half. And Bruce Trail turns to me, and he said, You know, if that would have hit me, I'd be in heaven right now because I just got baptized last week. Now, I wasn't a theologian when I was 10 years old, but that didn't sound right to me. Because I, well, I was listening in church, you know, and they said, you got to believe in Jesus, you got to repent of your sins, and you got to be born again, and then you get baptized. And, and it's the believing in Jesus and repenting of your sins, that's what is the reason why you get saved. Now, I'm going through this little you know, thing in my head as a 10-year-old. But here's the thing. I wasn't like the guy who found the buried treasure. I didn't run right to church the next Sunday and say, hey, I, I want to get saved. I found, because I found the most important thing. I found the kingdom of heaven. It's the most valuable treasure. I just discovered it. I didn't say that. It took me two more years. But this guy, as soon as he discovered that treasure, he went home and sold everything. And it probably took a while. You know, I mean, I don't know if you all ever had a yard sale. They never work out for us. But he had to get rid of his stuff. Then he had to sell the house. It's going to take some time. But all the time, he's thinking about, oh, I can't wait till I can go back and buy that field. Because it's the most important thing ever. So the man in the parable knew something that I didn't yet quite grab a hold of. The kingdom of heaven is like this. It's the most valuable treasure of all. So if you're watching online for the first time, you're here for the first time, you've never heard this news or you've never believed it, you've never received Jesus as the Lord and Savior in your life. Lord means owner. Savior means saving us from sin and death. Then today would be the greatest time ever to receive that treasure. Now... Maybe you weren't looking for Jesus. That's the the next point. Maybe you weren't even looking for Jesus when you found it. And maybe once you found it, though, you realize this is the most important thing of all. That's the third point. When we realize the value of the kingdom of heaven, we'll give up everything to get it. I don't want you to raise your hand right now, but I want to ask you a simple question. You know, would you give up everything to have the kingdom of heaven in your life? Let me rephrase the question. What is there in life that you would give up everything to have? Now, I've been thinking about this question for a week and a half because I wrote the message a week and a half ago, so I have a little bit of time advantage over you. And there are only two things that I came up with that I would give up everything to have. The first thing I would give up everything to have is for my daughters, Abby and Emmy, to be following Jesus again. I would give up everything to have that. The second thing I would give up everything to have is for one day for me to look Jesus straight in the eye, him look at right back at me and say, well done good and faithful servant, enter the joy of your master's kingdom. I truly mean that. Now, here's the question. Have I given up everything to have that? And the short answer is no. The closest I ever came to that was 18 years ago when God called me to leave the Presbyterian Church USA. And in that moment, when I stepped out of that, I left my paycheck. I left my medical insurance. I left pretty much everything. And from a worldly standpoint, from a material standpoint, and I didn't know, Nancy and I didn't know if we would lose our house, we didn't know if I would be a pastor in weeks or months or years or or when that would happen. All we knew at that moment was God was telling us to do something, and if we really wanted to grab onto the kingdom of heaven, we had to follow him, and we knew that he was faithful. I had no idea in that moment that because of that single step of obedience, there would be hundreds of people that would come to know Jesus, that there would be you know, more than a thousand people in Saxonburg who would be worshiping the Lord here at this place on a weekly basis. And that there would, that there would actually be a, a, a ministry that would be taking place all over the world. In fact, our executive pastor is probably right now in Thailand getting an airplane to go to Tokyo after he spent a week in Myanmar. Um, and and our, our director of operations just came back from a trip to Cambodia. I had no idea that all of that was going to be set into place. By the simple act of saying, Jesus, I know you're faithful and I'm going to follow you. follow you, And he has certainly been faithful. So let's look at the second parable that Jesus told about the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 13. He says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for a choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Now at first glance, this just sounds like a repeat of the first parable with a little bit of different, you know, window dressing. Just like a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the lost sheep and the lost coin. Remember, the shepherd lost the sheep, the woman lost the coin, but the result was the same rejoicing when they found what they lost. And it seems like you have a guy that finds a treasure, you have a guy that finds a pearl, they sell everything they have, and they get everything that they ever wanted by purchasing what they found. But there's a major difference in these two parables. I hope you see the difference. The difference is, the guy in the first parable, he stumbled on the treasure. He wasn't looking for it. He was just working. And one day, clink, he found the treasure, and he has his whole new life. But the pearl merchant was looking for pearls. He knew the difference between a good pearl and the better pearl and the best pearl. And he was looking for this best pearl, a pearl that would be better than any other pearl in the world. And when he found that pearl, he was willing to sell everything he had so he could have it. And so as we realize this, we realize something important. Many valuable pearls exist in life, but one pearl's value exceeds all the rest. For example, if I ask you, is your family a pearl? You know, metaphorically speaking, of course it is. Is your work, your schooling, your bringing your children up, are those things pearls? Of course they are. Is taking care of your family, you know, working to take care of your family, is that a pearl? Yes, it is. Jesus valued family. In fact, the thing about Jesus is he, he saw family differently than most of us probably see family because one day Jesus was teaching. And there were so many people that his biological mother and brothers came to visit him and they couldn't get to him. And so the crowd, you know, the, the people said, Hey, Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers are here to see you. And Jesus asks a seemingly odd question. Who are my mother and brothers? And then he answers his own question. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother and sister and brother. Now, as we think about that, I want you to understand something. I don't ever call you all and me a congregation. You'll never hear me say the congregation is doing X, the congregation is doing this. What do I say? The New Life family. Family. Why do I do that? Because of what Jesus said. Jesus said that anybody who knows him and does the will of his Father in heaven is my brother and sister. Very few of you are old enough to be my mother these days, you know. But there used to be that case when I was in my 30s where there would be people who were like spiritual mothers to me. But mostly, you know, now it's like brothers and sisters and children. But we have this spiritual family. And this spiritual family, Jesus said, um, is based on one reality, the kingdom of heaven. I have a biological family, we all do, and some of us don't know our biological families very well, and some of us don't know them at all. But the thing about biological families is they might not be as durable as our spiritual family. I've been saying this uh, the last couple of services, but you know, we're stuck with each other forever. Think about that one for a minute. Wait a minute, we're stuck with each other forever, if Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord in our lives, because we're going to be together forever forever. But if I have a biological family member who hasn't yet found the kingdom of heaven and given up everything to have that, then that person, if they don't find that before they die, they're going to be separated from the kingdom of heaven forever. As I've been reading the Bible over 50 plus years now, I started reading when I was about five, five, six years old. And I actually started reading the Bible as soon as I started reading because as a little kid, I thought it'd probably be a good place to start. And so I've been reading it, and what I discovered is there are a lot of either-or scenarios in the Bible. Either Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, and we have God as our Heavenly Father, and so we're part of this family that lasts forever, or Jesus isn't the Lord of our life, and so we don't have a Heavenly Father who's part of our family, and we're going to be separated from Jesus forever. But what I've also discovered, and it's a really cool discovery, is there's also not just either-or scenarios, but there are both-and scenarios. For example, a couple weeks ago, when we talked about the lost sheep and the lost coin, um, what we found out was Jesus is searching for us. He's looking for us. And he will not stop searching until he finds us. But today what we read was there's this guy who stumbled on a treasure, and then there's this other guy who's diligently seeking the treasure, the kingdom of heaven. And so which is it? Is it we seek Jesus? Or is it Jesus seeks us? Yes. It's both. Jesus is seeking us, but we are also called to seek him. And when we find him, when he finds us, we are called to join the search. To join the search for anybody who hasn't yet been found, so that we can help them to come into the kingdom too. We can't bring anybody into the kingdom, but we can join the search. And that's what we're called to do because nothing is more important than Jesus, nothing is more important than his kingdom, nothing is more important than this family, which is a worldwide family. It's not just, I mean, when I say we're a family, we're part of the bigger family of billions of people who know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. So here's the thing. Once we find Jesus, does that mean, because he said that the guy went home and sold everything he had, the pearl merchant went home, sold everything he had. So does that mean we go home and sell everything we have, we become a missionary, we become a pastor, we become a full-time church worker. Does that mean that that's what everybody has to do? Well, no. That isn't what everybody has to do. Jesus didn't tell everybody to do that. He told the parable, but he didn't tell everybody to do that. But what does it mean? It means that we must be willing to give up whatever it is that's in the way between us and the kingdom of heaven. The most important thing that I realized when I left 18 years ago to come out of the PCSA because that's what God was calling me to do is that it was the hardest thing that I had ever done to that point and the easiest thing. It's that both and kind of thing. The reason it was the hardest thing, I loved the church I was serving. I loved the people I was serving. I loved the, the neighborhood where Nancy and I and our girls lived at the time. I mean, we had such good neighbors, and it was a, just a great place to bring your children up. And we just had remodeled the house. from. Actually, we added a whole second story to the house. We were comfortable. It was a situation that really nobody would want to leave. So it was hard when God said, you have to. But then on the other hand, it was the easiest thing because I knew that if I just did what he told me to do, that I would receive the greatest thing of all, the kingdom of heaven, the greatest, the greatest treasure there is, more valuable than any kind of material possession or any kind of place that I could be. And these past 18 years of my life have been by far the best 18 years of my life so far. I've watched so many of you sacrifice over the history of new life, so that we can plant churches in Cuba, so that people can go, and not just you, but you've paid so other people could go on mission trips to Cambodia and Africa and Cuba and Haiti and Dominican Republic and right here in our local communities, and on and on and on. All of these things have happened, and I've watched it happen through this church family as we have said, the kingdom of heaven is so important that I'll do whatever it takes. So here's the most important question that I could ask us this morning. Have you given up everything to experience the kingdom of heaven in your life? Only you can answer that question. I can't answer that question for you. I wake up every day and I ask myself that question. What do I need to give up today so that I can have that which is more valuable than anything? Nancy and I ask that question for our own family. And what I know is... That in this year of 2019, there are going to be so many opportunities to give up everything or to be willing to give up everything so that the kingdom of heaven can be ours and so that we can share it with others. And this message, it has a big, big vision, a big, big image for us to think about. But so many times what happens is we walk away after a message like this and go, whoa, that was really powerful. We really need to do that. But there's no, there's nothing to do. Like we we go away saying, I need to do something, but we don't have any clue. What do we do? So I want to get really practical today. These aren't things that all of us are going to do. These are things that some of us are going to do. These are things that I know show that the kingdom of heaven is important in our lives, so important that we're going to give up some comfort so that we can have something more. For example, God is going to call some of you or might call some of you to adopt a child or maybe to, to do foster care for a child or children. God might call some of you to leave the job you have today to go to a different job, and a job that you like right now to do something where you can make more of an impact for his kingdom. I and mean, I'm not talking about becoming a missionary or a pastor unless that's what God calls you to do. God is going to call some of us to give in ways that we never have before. Is God going to call you to go home and sell your house and all your stuff? I don't know the answer to that question. He might. I only know, actually, I only know about three people in my whole life, who have done that. And and when they did it, it was because they were absolutely clear that God told them to do it. And so if God tells you to do it, then the only choice you have is to do it or be disobedient. Those are the only two choices we have. So whatever it is, big thing or small thing, God is going to call some of you to go out in the mission field. And it might be to join in, in the Cambodia trip this summer. It might be to do the local mission This March the 9th is Saturday Serve Day for small group ministries. So it might be a one-day thing that you've never done anything like that before, so you're going to do that. But here's something we need to remember. Jesus' great commission to make disciples of all the nations was not an optional suggestion for those who feel called, but it was a command for all of us who are part of his kingdom. Now, I know that should be a message for another day. It has been. It will be in the future. But here's the point. I've had people say to me, well, you go to Cambodia and you go to Cuba, and you, but God hasn't called me to that. Well, God doesn't have to call us. He already commanded us to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. That doesn't mean all of you are going to Cuba or all of you are going to Cambodia or Africa or wherever. It does mean all of us are going somewhere. And Jesus gave us the, the road map. He said to his disciples, start where you are, Jerusalem, go to all of Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And it wasn't like they had to do all of Jerusalem before they went to Judea. But they were supposed to go here, there, and everywhere, as we say here at New Life. Here, there, and everywhere. So some of you are going to get called in this year of 2019 to go across the water. You know, um, some people say you have to cross the sea in order to be a missionary. I've heard it said this way. You just have to see the cross. You know, and when you see the cross, it sends you here, there, and everywhere. So enough about that for right now. But Jesus is going to call us to do things that we didn't think about, just like the guy who found the treasure wasn't thinking about selling his house until he found the treasure and he realized how much it was worth. And as we think about that today, I want us to realize both of the men in the parables, both the guy, the pearl merchant, and the guy who found the treasure, sold everything they had enthusiastically. They went home and without hesitation got rid of all their stuff so they could have something better. And here's the thing that we need to realize. Until we realize the kingdom of heaven is worth more than any of our stuff, we will never experience the joy of living kingdom lives, the joy of giving things away. We don't. I, I know you've heard me say this before. You've heard probably pastors in all kinds of churches say this before. There's greater joy in giving than there is in receiving. That's because Jesus said it. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, what does that mean? There's blessing in receiving because it's more blessed to give than receive means there is blessing in receiving. But there's more blessing in giving. And when we give away our time, our talents, our treasure and touch. And remember, it's not ours anyway. It's God's to start with. But when we give those things away in search of the kingdom of God, in an effort to help people find the kingdom of God, there's a feeling of joy and and goodness that just can't come from anything else. I, I mean, there are there are things that are exciting in this life. And, and Jesus isn't against that. He created a lot of the exciting things in life. But what Jesus is more for is for us to be willing to give up that so that we can advance his kingdom. And that's what we're talking about here this morning. Because Jesus, I, I can picture Jesus telling this parable. And I picture him telling this parable with a smile on his face. Because Jesus had already given up everything. Everything to give us the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. He had left heaven <laughs> to become a human being and to come here. So he already knows the joy that the pearl merchant and the treasure hunter that wasn't even really looking for treasure, he knew that joy because he emptied himself and became one of us so that we could experience heaven. And I pictured him smiling because he, he knew that down the road and even right now today and, you know, in Saxonburg, Pennsylvania, we would be hearing this message and some of our hearts would be touched and we would be getting it, and we would go out, and as we go out and do the things we need to do, he is overjoyed. So what is there right now that you're holding on to that's keeping you from experiencing the blessing of the kingdom of heaven? Well, the next step we're going to do this morning or share this morning is going to help you with that. Here it is. I will give something away this week that is keeping me from the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. I will give away something this week that is keeping me from the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't have to be something big. What I've learned in my life is when you take a small step of obedience in in advancing the kingdom of heaven, God always honors that. In fact, Jesus said, whenever we're faithful with little, he'll trust us with more. And, and, And back in 2001, when Nancy and I started New Life, we had a big vision for new life. I mean, it was to share the new life of Jesus Christ with the world, one person at a time. We pictured 1,500 people in our community um, serving Jesus. And in that time, be honest, there were people that thought we were psychotic. Because in Saxonburg, well, actually, it was even Ivywood in those days, right? 1,500 people? Are you kidding? Um, And now it doesn't sound so psychotic, does it? Because there are 1,200 of us who call new life our church home now. And Jesus started with 12 And we have 1,200 people. And 1,200 people, imagine 1,200 people who say, Jesus, what is it? What is it that I need to give up? And maybe some of you never gave a penny to the work of the Lord, and and so you need to give a dollar or two. I'm not asking you to give a million dollars. I mean, God might ask you to do that. I'm not. I'm asking, start where you are. Give a dollar or two. Maybe you've never told somebody about Jesus. Maybe you go to school this week, and, and at your lunch table, you just say, I have Jesus in my life. And if that drops like a lead balloon on the table and nobody says anything, you just leave it there. Okay. But if somebody says, really, what's that like? Then you just go from there. Maybe you've been sitting and listening to the messages for weeks or months or years and and you've never done anything about it. Maybe God's calling you to be a greeter, you know, welcome people who come to, to, to worship or maybe to stand out in the rain or the sun or the snow or whatever it is and greet people in the parking lot. Maybe God has something for you to do at work. Because everything isn't about what we do here. But maybe it's at work or at school. There's something that you can do. Maybe you know you have a coworker who's hurting. And you, you've been sort of knowing that you should pray for them, but you're afraid maybe you're not supposed to pray at work. <laughs> really? I, I mean, I know I'm a pastor, so I, I get to pray wherever I want to, whenever I want to. I've been a school teacher. I've been a, you know, I've been a carpenter. I've been a gas station attendant. I have a hard time keeping a job before I became a pastor. <laughs> Just kidding. But whenever whenever I did all of those things, guess what? I prayed for people in all those environments because sometimes people need prayer, even at a gas pump. It's a crazy thing, but it happens. So when we say yes to the kingdom of heaven, we might go home and sell everything we have and come back and buy it. Or it might just be this little step and this little step and this little step. But Jesus started out with 12 guys and they changed the world. We have 1,200. Imagine what we can do when we together say yes to the most valuable thing of all, the kingdom of heaven, and we go out of this place into a world that desperately needs good news. And we share it with our words and with our actions. I can't wait. I know Jesus is smiling already because he knows what's going to happen. But I can't wait to hear some of your stories as you come back and say, I tried that little thing you said, and whoa, it made such a big difference in somebody's life. I can't wait to hear the stories. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and love. Thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you so much that you offer us your kingdom and that we get to experience it now in this life, but also forever. And God, I pray today for any who are watching or anybody who's here who has never receive that treasure, that right now they would simply say, Jesus, come in and take over my life. Whatever I have, it's yours. I want to follow you. And God, I pray for all of us who have already made that commitment, that we would take the next step, whatever the next step is, in obedience, whether it's a small one or you're calling us to a gigantic one, that we would do whatever it takes, that we would give give up whatever we need to give up, so that you can be glorified and so that we can experience your kingdom.